Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today for this worship service. All month at First Baptist, we're talking about what it means and what it looks like to be a real disciple of Jesus, a real follower of Christ. And last Sunday, we talked about how being a real disciple of Jesus changes how we see life how we see our own existence on this planet. And today I want to talk about how being a real disciple makes us strong and safe. A couple of weeks ago out in San Francisco, something happened that reminded us of how important it is to be strong and to be safe. There was a female police officer who responded to a 911 call about a homeless man who was threatening people, threatening to kill people and scaring people. And when she arrived on the scene, he was much larger than her, tall and huge. And, and he cooperated initially, but at one point he turned around and he physically assaulted her. He attacked her and, and he got her down on the ground and was on top of her, pressing with his hands on her face and her throat, choking her, and she couldn't get him off. And some bystanders came to her aid and about three or four men grabbed him and enabled her to finally you know, uh, take control and get on top of him till other officers could arrive and take control of the situation. And sometimes our police officers face enemies who are strong and who are larger than them, and they need the help of good citizens. The same thing is true in your spiritual life. You face an enemy that is real, an enemy that hates you, an enemy that is strong and powerful and wants to overpower you and destroy your life, and you need the help of other people. In fact, uh, the the disciple Peter said this about that that enemy of ours in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. He said, "Your adversary the devil prowls around or walks around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, to destroy. He's looking for disciples who are weak so he can ruin their witness, their testimony, and their lives. But God wants you to be spiritually strong, spiritually healthy, and spiritually safe. And he's given you, he, listen, he, he's given you people to help you. You're not alone. He's given you a support system, if you will, and it's called the church. So today I want us to talk about being spiritually strong and spiritually safe. And as I get into this message, I want to begin by asking you two questions. One, how strong are you when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ? When it comes to you living a Christ-like life, you being spiritually strong, just how strong are you? And the second question is this, are you allowing the church... Are you allowing the local church to help you be strong in your walk with Jesus Christ? And once you answer those two questions, here's a third question. Are you ready to dig into God's word? Are you ready to learn and are you ready to grow? Today, if you are, I want you to open your Bible with me to the book of Acts chapter 20. We're going to look at two passages, one in Acts 20 and the other in Ephesians chapter 4. Last week, we started in Acts 20 where Paul is gathering for the very last time with the leaders and the pastors of the church in Ephesus, a church he had started on his third missionary journey. And this is the last time he's going to see them and they have a conversation. I want us to read some of what he said in Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 28, starting at verse 28, to these church leaders. The last time he's going to see them or they would see him and he said this. He said to those leaders, be on guard for yourselves and for the flock. In other words, for the family of faith, the church members, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Then he says very, you know, it's, it's like a warning here in verse 29. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, 
not sparing the flock. Peter talked about the devil being a lion who wants to destroy. Here, Paul said he's like a savage wolf who wants to spare no one. And he said in verse 30, From among your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. That all of the enemies you face spiritually, some will be outside the church, others will be inside the church. Verse 31, Therefore be on the alert, he said to these pastors. And then in verse 32, Now I commend or commit you to God and to, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. In his closing words, he said, I am committing you to Jesus Christ, committing you to God and to his word. And if you keep your focus on God and your relationship with him and on his word and the power of his word, then you will do well in protecting the sheep. And so Paul, in this last conversation, says to these church leaders that there are enemies of the saints, people who want to destroy the spiritual walk, the spiritual lives of God's people. And they will use false teaching and the immoral truth claims to cause some believers to fall away from the faith, to be led astray, or to be weak, to be weak spiritually. So he says, hey, stay committed, stay focused on God and in his word. Now, after this gathering, Paul makes his way to Jerusalem where he's arrested, and he will spend the next four years of his life in prison, different prisons, ending up in Rome. And while he's in Rome, he writes a letter to this same church in the city of Ephesus, a group of people that he loved with all of his heart. And so you just saw in his last face-to-face meeting, he warned them about the people who would try to destroy the spiritual lives of the members of that church. And now he's a prisoner in Rome, and he writes a very powerful letter to them, and I want you to read with me part of what he says to them in chapter 4 of Ephesians. Now, and remember, this is a letter he wrote to the church, and when they received it, someone would have stood up in front of the entire congregation and read this whole letter, the entire book of Ephesians, to the church that day. And in this letter, in the opening chapters, he talks to them about the importance of being spiritually strong and grounded in the faith and grounded in Jesus Christ. He talks to them about living in a way that is worthy of their relationship with Jesus Christ. He encourages them to stick together because they would need one another to defeat the enemy and be spiritually strong. And then in chapter 4, He gives them the strategy to help disciples grow and be strong. And he also describes for them what spiritual growth, what spiritual strength looks like. So let's read it together in chapter 4, starting with verse 11. He says this, And he, referring to God, gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service or the work of ministry to the building up of the body of Christ. Now those two verses are the strategy for how to grow disciples, how to have, how to help disciples be strong in the local church. We're going to talk about that next Sunday. Starting at verse 13, he describes what spiritual strength looks like. What it, what it resembles to be someone who is truly growing as a real disciple. That's where we're going to focus this morning. So let's continue reading together in verse 13. He says, until we all, each and every one of us who are followers of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now in that verse, he says, here is what spiritual strength looks like. 
And I want us to break that down. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Do you resemble what he describes here? If you say you are spiritually strong in Jesus, are you spiritually strong the way he in this passage says spiritual strength shows up? Do you look like what spiritually strong people look like? And then here's the second question. Do you want to resemble what God says spiritual strength really is? And are you willing? Here's a third question. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to do what it takes to be spiritually strong? A couple of years ago, I read the book 42 Faith about uh, Jackie Robinson, who was the first African-American to play Major League Baseball with the Brooklyn Dodgers and the relationship between him and Brent Rickey, who was the leader of the Dodgers that, that gave him that, uh, that opportunity. And, and 42 Faith, the book, focused on, on how they were both Christians and their faith and the role faith played in that whole story. Two or three years before that, the movie about Jackie Robinson called 42 came out. And, and it doesn't stress the faith angle quite as much, but it's still a, a, a good movie. And there's one scene in this movie. It's the first time that Brent Ricky and Jackie, Jackie Robinson see each other, the first time they meet. They're in Ricky's office. And, and at one point, Jackie Robinson looks to Ricky, and, and, and they've been talking about racism and all the abuse that Jackie was going to face as he integrated Major League Baseball back in the late 19. 19- uh, 40s. And at one point, he looks at Branch Ricky and says, so you want a player that doesn't have the guts to fight back. They've been talking about what they would experience and how he would need to behave. And, and so he, he said to this, to this manager, to, this, to this, uh, this baseball official, so you want a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back. Branch Ricky said, no, no, I want a player who has the guts not to fight back. And then he went on to tell Jackie Robinson, people are, people are not going to like this, referring to the integration of baseball. And they're going to do anything they can to get you to react. Follow a curse with a curse, and they'll hear only your curse. Follow a blow with a blow, and they'll say the Negro lost his temper, that the Negro does not belong. Your enemy will be out in force. And you cannot meet him, listen to this, you cannot meet him, Branch Ricky said, on his own low ground. Then he added, we win with hitting, running, fielding. Only that. We win only if the world is convinced of two things, that you are a fine gentleman and a great ball player. And then Branch Ricky said this, like our Savior, referring to Jesus Christ, like our Savior, you're not to have the guts to, you've got to, you've got to have the guts to turn the other cheek. Can you do it? And Jackie Robinson looked at Branch Ricky and said, you give me a uniform, you give me a number on my back, and I'll give you the guts. It took incredible strength for Jackie Robinson to integrate baseball. It took incredible courage for Branch Rickey to be the first first uh, team team official, if you will, to to take the lead, the initiative at integrating uh, baseball. And both of them, especially Jackie Robinson, had to be willing to pay the price. But you see, they had a goal. Their goal was to integrate baseball. And you and I have a goal. 
a much bigger goal, a more important goal. It's the goal of being spiritually strong as followers of Christ, of being disciples who look like Jesus, being disciples who honor our Lord and Savior, being the believers, being the followers of Jesus Christ that he has called each and every one of us to be. That is our goal, and it is a great goal. And here's my question. Are you willing to be that kind of follower of Jesus? Are you willing to be that kind of disciple? See, the truth is we all have the same goal. Notice what he said in verse 13, until we all attain to certain things. Each and every one of us, not just some of us, not just a a select few who are supposedly super spiritual, but Each and every one of us, all of us, me and you, wherever you are right now watching this sermon, listening to this message, God includes you in that little word, A-L-L. Each and every one of us, all of us are to attain, to, to reach out to a certain place, to grow to a certain point. And then he describes that spiritual growth in four ways in this verse. Four things that are going to show up in our lives if we really are real disciples who really are spiritually strong and mature. And the first thing he says in verse 13 that we all are going to attain if we are spiritually strong and growing is unity of the faith. Unity of the faith there in verse 13. Does that mean faith in Jesus? Yes, absolutely. That binds us all together as brothers and sisters in Christ. But there's more to it than that. It also means unity in our core beliefs, the central truths of the Christian doctrine, the central truths of the Christian faith. There is no room for negotiation on the core beliefs of what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. There is unity of that. And and, and see, strong what he's saying is that strong disciples cannot believe just anything. They want to be to believe there may be some smaller matters where we have differences of opinions. But when it comes to the core truths of what it means to be somebody following Jesus Christ, there's no diversity there. The unity of the faith, strong, strong disciples believe the essentials, the core teachings of the Christian faith of the Bible. Number two, strong Christians, he says in verse 13, not only attain to or reach the unity of the faith but also of the knowledge of the Son of God. We come to the, to, we, we, we come to the same knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean to know about Jesus, to have information in my head? Yes, absolutely, but there's more to it than that. The Greek word translated knowledge here is epigenosis, which means a thorough knowledge, an intense knowledge, not just a superficial knowledge, not just a, a basic knowledge, not just a little bit of knowledge, but an intense Thorough knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ. It also means an intimate knowledge that we come to know him through participating in our relationship with him, through experience with him is an experiential, intimate knowledge so that that I know Christ not just in my head, but in my heart and through my life as I cling to him and everything the word of God teaches about him and it transforms my life. I come to know Christ and the power of his word and the power of his person. And it changes me. I come to know him completely, fully, intimately, and it changes me. But there's a third thing he says about spiritual growth here. Not only do do you as a real disciple who is really growing and becoming spiritually strong attain to the same unity of the faith and, and to that same intimate 
experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ, but he says you become a mature man or mature woman in Christ. In verse 13, after the knowledge of the Son of God, he said to a mature man. You reach a level of maturity, and and it's the picture of someone who's fully grown as compared to a child. You look at a little baby, you look at a preschool child, you look at an elementary age child, you look at a middle school child, and you contrast that with an older adult, someone who's lived many decades and has reached a level of maturity that no matter how smart someone who's younger really is, they don't have the same level of maturity as that person who has lived and experienced life decade after decade and grown in wisdom. God is saying in this passage that when you become a strong disciple of Jesus Christ, you exhibit that kind of maturity. You're like a like an adult who's lived for years compared to a younger person, a younger child. And that shows up in your maturity spiritually in your walk with Jesus Christ, how you think, how you talk, how you see life, and how you make decisions. It changes you and it shapes you. You reach maturity in Christ. And then the fourth and final thing he says this maturity, if you, really want, if you really want to know what spiritual maturity looks like, is at the end of verse 13. When he says, not only do you become a mature man, here's, how, here's what maturity is. It's to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Look at that again. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now what does that mean? It's a lot of words. Without getting too bogged down in the details of each word, let me illustrate it this way. Here's a a tape measure. It's 25 feet long. And if you imagine me pulling this all the way out to the full 25 feet, that would equal the full measure of Jesus Christ. That's the capacity. This can only measure up to 25 feet. Think of that as absolute maturity that looks absolutely like Jesus Christ. Now, this tape measure is broken down into smaller increments of feet and inches and even centimeters. And what he's saying is that as a follower of Christ, as a disciple, you are to grow to a level of maturity where you're not just pulling this tape measure out to one foot. You're just one foot mature when you could be 25 feet mature. You're not just three feet mature when you could be 25 feet mature. You're not just keep pulling it out 10 feet mature when you could be 25 feet. He said a real disciple who is growing strong spiritually is striving toward striving toward the entire 25 feet of this tape measure, the fullness of Christ, that you don't settle for an increment that is any foot or any inch less than 25, that you strive constantly day after day, month after month, and year after year to reach the fullness of Christ. That is your goal. See, the truth is, Jesus has more confidence in us and our capacity for spiritual growth and spiritual strength than we do. In his famous Sermon on the Mount, as recorded in Matthew 5, 48, Jesus said this, Therefore you are to be perfect. Most translations translate it perfect. Some will say mature. As your heavenly Father is perfect. As your heavenly Father is mature. The same word that we read in Ephesians 4 about being mature is the same word Jesus used in Matthew 5 for being mature or perfect. The the fullness of Christ... And in Matthew, he said... 
when you reach maturity, he says, you're like your heavenly father. It's like the fullness of Jesus Christ not settling for anything less. Wow. You mean God says we have that kind of potential? We have that capacity for growth, for spiritual strength, for spiritual maturity? That should be our goal? The answer is yes. Not because of who I am or because of who you are, because of what we're able to do, but because of Jesus Christ. We are in him and he is in us and the Holy Spirit fills us with his power and we have capacity for spiritual growth and strength beyond what we normally think. Now, I'm not perfect and I know you're none as well. I have my struggles. You have ours. And we're not going to be perfect until we see heaven. But brothers and sisters, let's not settle for mediocrity. Let's not settle for less. Let, let's, let's allow our heart to, to, to be so in sync with Jesus Christ that every single day we are, we are seeking to be more and more like him, moving closer and closer to him, to the fullness of the maturity that is in Jesus Christ and not settling for mediocrity or settling for what so many people say is acceptable, is okay. No, let's push on toward the prize. Let's push forward into growth and maturity. It is such a blessing to see some follower of Jesus get excited and grow. When I see college students or high school students who are on fire for Jesus and and some of them are outpacing their own parents, I'm proud of those teenagers. I'm proud of those college students. But I also ache for their parents who are missing out on so much, missing out on their own adventure of growth and strength in Christ. Let me ask you, what is your spiritual goal? What is your spiritual target? What is your growth goal? What is your growth target? Are you are you growing toward Jesus and Christ's likeness? Or are you settling for less in what others say is acceptable? Do, do you want 25 feet of the full measure, the maturity that is in Christ? <clears throat> or are you going to be okay with uh, two or three feet? Mediocrity. So much less than is possible in your life. The Apostle Paul in chapter 4 of Ephesians said there are two results when each of us grow spiritually. Two results, two outcomes, if you will, when we become mature disciples, mature followers of Jesus Christ, strong and safe followers of Christ. One, he says, you will be consistent. You will be consistent and you will be strong in your walk with Jesus Christ. Because I know there are some of you listening right now who are so frustrated with yourself. Because so much of your spiritual journey is hit and miss, up and down, good days and and bad days. And I, I get that. I understand that. But God says you can be more consistent than that. You can be stronger than that after talking about what what maturity and growth and spiritual strength looks like in verse 13. In verse 14, he talks about the results of it. He said, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there. Remember, we're not supposed to be like little kids. We're supposed to be fully grown adults. Not not tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, every false teaching, every idea that somebody throws up out there in the world, in the culture. 
by the trickery of men and by the by craftiness in deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. And notice what he says about grow up. Grow up in all aspects or all respects into him, into Jesus, who is the head, the head, our head, our Lord, the head of the church, even Christ. Rather than falling prey to the, to the bad advice and the bad teaching and the wrong values and the immoral ideas of people in the church and outside the church, we are to push toward maturity and spiritual strength and stability and consistency, which, which we have when we grow in Christ's likeness and look more and more like him. When he talked about trickery and cunning of men, it's, it's a word that, well, today you'd think of it as loaded dice. When someone plays with loaded dice, they are intentionally trying to deceive you. And do you understand that your enemy, Satan, who walks around as a roaring lion, your enemy, who's like a wolf that wants to destroy you, sends people into your life to intentionally deceive and trick you and lead you away, pull you back, hold you down when it comes to walking with Jesus and becoming spiritually strong and spiritually mature. And sometimes they are very cunning, very cunning and very deceptive in doing it the way Satan. And people are not always aware how much Satan is using them. I remember several years ago. <clears throat> I was part of a, a leadership network, a leadership process that lasted for a year. And there were about 40 leaders from Charlotte and Mecklenburg County and the surrounding counties in this process. It was a secular leadership and process that I enjoyed. And I learned a lot through that experience. Very thankful for it. I was one of two representatives from York County. And I remember part of the part of the training process involved a three-day outward bound experience where we camped and hiked up in North Carolina at the Table Rock that is in North Carolina. And after we had finished the last evening before we would go home the following morning, there was kind of like a you know a celebratory dinner. And and afterward that evening, many of the group were gathered in a in a in a den, a large room, if you will, back at the lodge, talking about all kinds of things. And at one point. The conversation, and remember, this is a leadership development process that's not a Christian one. It's just a secular one. Good one, but not, not Christ-focused. And the, the conversation turned to the topic of, if you could sleep with any Hollywood celebrity, which one would you choose? And they started naming names. I got up and went to my bedroom. Didn't participate. Because I, I did not want those thoughts in my mind. When I said things, I wanted to honor my wife in marriage. And you may think, well, it's just a little thing. It's no big deal. But here's, here's the point. Subtle things matter. And Satan comes to us in subtle ways. In fact, the Bible says like an angel of light. He can look nice, look good, be subtle. But he's crafty and he's tricky and he's deceitful. And the more you focus on the world's way of thinking... On the culture's way of doing things, the weaker you are going to become spiritually. But the more you, you keep your focus on Jesus Christ and his word, like Paul to those Ephesian church leaders in Acts 20 said, I commit you to God and to his word. I commit you to God and to his word. The more you focus on your walk with Jesus Christ and his word, the stronger, the stronger you will be. As a disciple. And the more you do this in community with other believers, the stronger you will be. 
The more you listen to the culture, the weaker you will be. And the more you do it in isolation, apart from accountability, apart from encouragement, apart from connections with the people of God in a local New Testament church, the weaker you're going to be and the more susceptible you will be to the cunning tricks of the evil one who wants to destroy your life. See, when you listen to the culture more than you listen to the Word of God, when you hang out with the world's people more than you hang out with God's people, the less of this tape measure you pull out, the less of maturity you achieve. But when you stay connected to the people of God, you can stay connected to the Word of God, and you stay connected to Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the more of this maturity comes out. And the closer you get to the 25 feet that is the fullness of Jesus Christ, the more like you will Him you will be. Now the second result that he mentions here is the strengthening of the church in the following verses. Verses 15 and 16, he said the church will be stronger. Why? Because you're stronger and I'm stronger. See, the church is us. And the church is never going to be any stronger than I am or than you are. When I am weak, the church is weak. When you are weak, the church is weak. When I am strong, the church is strong. When you are strong, the church is strong. That's just how it works because the church is the body of Christ. It is us. It is me. It is you. And so this is, yes, about my walk with Jesus Christ. But it's also my, about my impact on other people's walk with Christ. My impact on the local church, on the kingdom of God, and your impact on all of those things. So let me close by asking you these questions. How strong are you in Christ? Really? How much do you resemble the 25 feet, the fullness of Christ? How strong are you in Christ? Really? And are you letting the church help you? Or are you staying away, being inconsistent? You need a systematic Bible reading plan. We have one here at First Baptist. Go to our website. It's on the home page. You need accountability. We have that here in our D groups. If you can't be part of a D group, join me every Monday through Friday for the video devotions that go with our Bible reading plan. You need connection with other believers. We have that here in our life groups, our Sunday school classes. You need to be consistent each day. You need to be consistent each Sunday. Are you doing those things? How strong are you? And are you letting the church help you? I pray you will. I pray you will. Reach out to us at First Baptist by texting the word Jesus to the number on your screen and let us know how we can help you be stronger in Christ. God bless you. I'll see you next Sunday.